There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement, and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Agnes Lan. Agnes is the founder and VP of sales at Toronto-based Change Connect, Inc. Described as influential and inspirational by her peers and clients, Agnes helps organizations grow through change. She breaks complex strategies into tangible business tactics, leading the way in sales transformation for entrepreneurial businesses and enterprises alike. Agnes has experience in the design and implementation of business transformations in multiple industries with a focus on sales, customer-focused business strategies, and organization design. Agnes holds degrees from the University of Toronto, Indiana University's Kelly School of Business, Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, and Harvard Business School. Her passion for learning has led to numerous professional designations as a professional engineer, lean black belt professional, and a change management practitioner. Agnes Lan, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Thanks for having me, Rick. Delighted to have you. The way we usually start out is by me asking my guests if they have any top piece of advice that they hope we'll manage to get across to our audience. Because we know entrepreneurs are very busy and they don't want to waste their time. So what are the top pieces of advice that you hope our audience will take away from today's conversation? So I can borrow the words that I heard from another women's conference a few years ago. It's the idea of doing something no matter how small it is, every day. Because if we move an inch every day, we're at 365 inches at the end of the year, and that all adds up. And man, boy, I know being an entrepreneur can be tough. So there are days that you just want to crawl under the blanket and do nothing. But I ever since I heard that, I constantly remind myself, you know what? Just one thing, Agnes, just one thing. And that you know gets me through the hump and back on the entrepreneur trail. And when you say just one thing is, um, it, it sounds like you're talking about 
one thing as part of a bigger thing. You're not talking about making coffee or returning that phone. <laughs> no, obviously not. And you know what? It is that one thing on your to-do. It may be a small thing. It could be return a phone call with a partner or it could be... Um, you know, write. I, I, I don't like writing. I don't love writing. So, you know, maybe writing that proposal, um, you know, for, for a business opportunity. So it really is that one, just the idea of inching forward and doing something for your business every day. Because I find it's a slippery slope. Once you say you give yourself a break, then it's, you know, then you give yourself a second break, a third break. And entrepreneurship is tough and you just have to plow through it. Right. Let's take a minute to get to know you, Agnes. Uh, tell us about your journey as an entrepreneur and how you got to Change Connect. Absolutely. So I I think I'm going to start <laughs> start with... The fact that I actually was born in an entrepreneur family. So my dad had his own general contracting firm. So, you know, understanding business or watching him grow his business from, you know, when I was very young and understanding what it takes to to be an entrepreneur. Right. Sometimes it means not spending time with your family. Sometimes it means, you know, back in the days when when there's less concern about balance lifestyle. But, you know, it means giving up something to pursue this this entrepreneurship, you know, entrepreneurship dream. But watching him was very rewarding in that also, you know, he he have heart stops. And this is another lesson I I value as well is Every Sunday is family day. It doesn't matter how busy he is at work. It doesn't matter if he's traveling for the week. It doesn't matter what's going on with business. Every Sunday, I remember we do the exact same thing. We'd go out for dim sum and we would go and spend the afternoon together to do whatever family event activity it is. And at night, we always go eat out with my uncles and my, my family and we would hang out with their kids and the parents would hang out. But that's sort of family day for us. And I remember always, you know, going home really late on a Sunday, but really fulfilled because, you know, we spent time together. You know, it was all about us. And that's something that I carry with us today, too. Nowadays, it's more work-life balance. And, you know, I try to spend time with my son pretty much every day. Like, there's a window of period in my day that, you know, no phone calls, no try to have no meetings and you know I have upper limit of how many nights I go out like before COVID in terms of how many dinner um, appointments I take uh, for work so and or how many days or how many trips I'm away from home on an annual basis so you know they, they are pretty you know I've set some limits between my work and my family uh, which I find you know give me the work-life balance possible but sort of that's sort of my 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 how it all got started and my view into entrepreneurship then as any <laughs> as any daughter would do I actually got my undergrad in civil engineering um <laughs> because because of course because if I didn't if I don't, don't get a job at least I can always get a job with my dad <laughs> that was that was sort of my 
my logic behind it um, and being a very logical person that would naturally be the thing to do, right? So, and my brother actually, my brother's an architect right now. And funny enough, neither of us took over my dad's business. In, well into his 70s, he's still running his own firm, realizing wow. that we're not interested. <laughs> so, um, And he's still having the time of his life. He is. He loves it. Like, you know, he, he, he heads into the office every day. He has, you know, he has his breakfast and then he heads into the office. He does his thing. He leaves at about uh, two something, three o'clock. But he he likes that routine. And, you know, I spoke to him about, you know, retiring. What does that look like for him? And honestly, it's not in his blood. He loves it. So it's. You know, entrepreneurs don't retire. They <laughs> they might change businesses. They might cut back their work on the weekend, but they they it's hard to retire. <laughs> uh, you know exactly. So so that's you know that's my mentor, right? So so it's hard. Great mentor. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about uh, t- t- tell tell us about Change Connect. Change Connect is the sales consultancy. So we started off um ten ten years ago. Actually, we're celebrating our tenth year this year. Started ten years ago as a management consulting firm. Um, we had an opportunity to. I I actually um had a really unique opportunity to start my own firm. And you know, knowing my entrepreneurship background, you now it was a natural jump into entrepreneurship when I was presented an opportunity to start my own firm. So we started as a management consulting firm because that's sort of my background after engineering. I took a job on as a uh, management consulting after school. Um, have a few years of that under my belt and always wanted to start my own business. So that's how Change Connect started. And pretty much within, I would say, five years into the business, we decided to take a leap of faith and in our strategic meetings we decided you know what we have to work at niche which niche do we want to work within the you know grand scheme of management consulting and what everyone has to offer so we decided to focus on sales so that's um we're all things sales uh thing and all things you know start up scale up in that world of where uh organization and companies are making between two million to about 15 million that's sort of our sweet spot to bring them up to the next level and break through a couple of procedural and process plateaus and the strategy plateau so that's what we do all day every day right (laughs) (laughs) well that sounds like a fun thing what's the secret of boosting sales for uh startups and scale-ups um, I think depends on what stage you're in. So uh, what we found is that in your startup scale-up stage, that there's a couple of plateaus, like I mentioned. One is a process plateau where, and depending on the average deal size, it can happen before your strategy plateau. So as with any startup, I know most audience here are startups, you know, the founders work hard. The founder found a niche. The founder is very technical. The founder is passionate about this one thing so it's very natural for that person to um passion to talk to others be contagious people listen to the founder they understand what they're trying to convey and it's easy to buy from a founder because you know it just makes sense when the founder tells you their story regardless of whether the founder is a, is a salesperson or not and when you get to, you know, uh, um, you know, sometimes a million dollars, generally that's we peg it at that, is when you start to see 
let the process break down. Whether that is because the way the founder go about hitting the market is inefficient, or whether they're just taking all job, any job that comes their way, and really that job is not profitable to begin with. But if a founder, you know, you're just so used to taking everything your way, you're not really evaluating, you're not qualifying your leads, you really don't have a repeatable process in place. So your revenue is not predictable, let alone scalable. So that's the kind of advice and uh, sort of the implementation we work with startup on is how to how can you make what you're doing right now repeatable? So, you know, whether you love sales or not, but and when we hire uh, your first sales team, which we also help them do, when we hire the first sales team, that these people are good representation of your organization and is able to, you know, grow your business um, in a systematic way. Cool. At Change Connect, you say you're all about big change and big ideas. I I find that a very interesting phrase. Uh, what, what what what's the significance of big ideas? How how is that helpful? Oh, well, we always talk about big big ideas, small ideas. Uh, but I <laughs> the idea of the a big idea sometimes is a small idea. It's actually we were just talking about that in our sales meeting the other day. Um, you know, I'll I'll give you a something that we're actually really proud of. I went to have, uh, I went to dinner last week with an old client of ours and, you know, she gave me a, she gave me this huge hug and she's like, Agnes, you know, you guys came in and you guys shook up our world two years ago because you guys did a, a strategic session on our direction. And it really, and for us, for us, it's something that we, it's one of our bread and butter. We talk about start with why, your mission and vision statement, and really refocus the organization in a way where everyone is rowing in the same direction. So, you know, when we do so, um, you know, she was saying, you know, we're not big, we're not small, there's 180 of us, but now the, the thing, the, the saying from the workshop, the why's from the workshop, the mission, the vision is all, all over the office. Um, everyone can recite it, and we are living that why every day from top to bottom. And our now our you know our product um, is aligned to the why. Now everyone know why they're working on the thing they're working about in the organization from a cultural standpoint. Um, have shifted in the last couple of years so significantly, and. You know, when we talk about that kind of stuff, the procedure itself, when we talk about all oh, mission vision like this, you know, some of our clients still think that's fluff. And when done right, it is such, it, it makes such a major impact. Same as, you know, trans- transforming your sales pipeline. In the last year or so, because of COVID, we've done a lot of work with clients where, you know, traditionally they went to sell face-to-face, right? That's the way that you go about closing business. And we work with them and their sales team on selling in this hybrid world. What does that look like in terms of prospecting in this hybrid world? What does selling and closing look like? What does nurturing look like if you can't actually go to an event or shake hands or have lunch? You know, what would what we have to do to actually expedite and move forward the deal in the same manner, if not faster than ever before? and do it in this remote world. So, you know, those are 
those are big ideas. Um, and a lot of times people feel like, an, or, you know, your audience and our, our, our clients as well, they feel like their hands are tied. There's nothing they can do. But there are a ton that they can do. So what we try to do is to empower them. So I always tell our, our consultants, you know, we are a sales consultancy. Absolutely. We go out and we help them with strategy, people, process, and technology. Absolutely. But at the core of it all, we are a change agent. There's, our clients will not be able to realize their ROI if they can't execute on what we just told them from a strategy standpoint or a process standpoint. So at the end of the day, that's why all of our consultants are ProSize certified in change, because we have to have to help them change and help them transform through our training and or our program so that the client can realize the ROI and realize that you know, our program is truly transformational from, you know, top to bottom. That's a pretty big idea. <laughs> Agnes, you mentioned that your people are all certified in change. Um, how does that make your company distinct? Well, actually, that's that's exactly that. That's our value proposition. So I noticed early on that, you know, when we hand over a go-to-market strategy and or work with them on a new process, if the client can actually implement the change, and if we can't really um, drive that change and help them implement it, the ROI is just not there. So very early on in our firm <laughs> formation, uh, we have grabbed onto that as our value proposition. So now every one of our consultants need to be um, ProSci certified so that they understand all the change theory so that part of the program, whether it's a training program or a consulting program or, you know, a coaching program, everything is about enabling the client to change and exhibit those new behaviors so that they get the ROI for their investment. You know, our clients just won't do what we say. So you've, you've taken those proactive steps to uh, actually help them make those leaps. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes it's painful work, but we do them. We help them because we know that's where the rubber hits the road, right? We know that's how we can truly help our clients. Exactly. Based on the experience that you have um, in sales strategy and consulting, what do you think is the number one error that most founders make when it comes to sales? Um, you know what? Why don't I speak as a founder? I think that might be helpful. I think the one thing I would say is not investing in people early. As a matter of fact, not investing in senior staff early. So a lot of startup, you know, um, and, you know, they, 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 it's tight cash flow to begin with. And, you know, it's hard for them to be hiring a top sales guy. You know, they end up hiring people that either have no sales experience um, and then they might not know how to train them in sales. And it just becomes a whole slew of bads. So I would absolutely, I mean, you don't have to hire the top sales guy out there, um, but I would definitely hire someone that knows what they're doing in sales um, or hire us <laughs> or hire a junior and hire us so that we can give them the path. But definitely um, someone that can help you grow their business because especially the thing with sales and investing in sales is it will return hundredfolds when this when it wor is working for you. So take that leap of faith and hire that first um, 
and truly invest in that first salesperson that you have um because that is going to be um it's going to expedite your growth tremendously if you if you do that any idea on how to hire the right people i've i've hired a few salespeople in the past and it isn't easy knowing who will actually successfully be able to translate their success with another product or firm or sector into success with your firm and it it's always a bit of a leap so how do you mitigate that risk um rick i don't know that i can or we can truly mitigate that risk um the, t- the turnover for first any especially in the bd world um is 24 percent uh for someone coming in into a bd role and I, I would imagine because of COVID have gone up, actually the 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 job market in sales is red hot at the moment because we're fighting a lot of our talent, our Canadian talent is actually taking a, um, off uh, American offers and a 30% pay jump, you know, it, it makes sense for the Canadians to be working for the Americans. <laughs> so it it is a out there in terms of hiring salespeople. But one other thing I would um, definitely say is look at that person's track record for sure um, and hire them into the right role. So one of the uh, rookie mistake I would say is just hiring a salesperson. You know, I'm putting out a, a job description for a salesperson. Well, you got to understand that even within the world of sales, there's just a lot of different roles to fill. You know, are we looking for a hunter? Right? Are we looking for a business development rep? Are we looking for an inside sales? Are we looking for an account manager? What kind of organization are we and what stage are we in in that? Who are we hiring? And does this person have um, have the, the previous experience and the skill set to be in that role? So a rookie mistake is someone because they don't know any different in the job description, just, you know, sales rep. Um, is hiring someone that's an account manager, a superb account manager, into a business development role, right? You can't hire a, a farmer to be in a hunter role. It just doesn't work. And I see that over and over again with a lot of organizations, because you're able to find account manager fairly easy. I would say fairly easy. But you can find account managers, I think, uh, um, out there, um, business, True business um, reps are a bit harder to find. And, you know, sometimes you say, oh, you know, this is a great sales guy. Reference are coming in just fine. This person will make the transition into a business development role. And, you know, it it, it isn't as easy. Right. Uh, do you have a preference as to whether a client of yours um, does their own hiring or whether they use some sort of agency or, 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 or consultant? to hire sales talent? Yeah, so we work with um, organization to hire the first sales team um, because especially with your first sales team, it's it is more to it than meet the eye. It's not like, hire, I always say it's not like hiring a bookkeeper. Um, if you put out an ad on Indeed for bookkeeper, you have hundreds of resume come on, coming back. If you put out a business development rep um, posting out there uh, on Indeed, you might have a hundred coming back, but you know, 70% of those would not be qualified um, for even for an interview. So there's, there is a special, not special, but there are uh, some tips 
in writing the job posting. There's some tips in what platforms to use, so it's an easier job for you to consolidate. There is um, definitely we talk to clients about or their sales org chart and what that look like, and you know what roles are we trying to fill, and what in in a startup, you know when we talk about sales org chart, I don't mean that. You can't hire just one person, but what kind of role are we talking about? And eventually, how do we backfill these these roles um, and have a path to grow the sales team? And who is the most urgent hire at the moment? And the sales compensation structure around the whole org. Um, it really is a science. So you know, the ability to set uh, a structure for that will will. Uh, heighten your chance of success, I would say. So we definitely help with this first sales team because there's a lot to hiring than just that posting and interviewing um, and the scoring and the competency. But uh, we also partner with other firms as well. We partner with Uvelo. Uvelo is, uh, is a sales uh, training company that helps career switchers. Um, and we try to work with them on on hiring their their graduates from their program to be to place them. We also work with sales talent agency uh, on the tougher fields so that we can, you know, they have a database of uh, tens and thousands of sales specific job seekers. So, um, you know, we have our partners and our network to help our clients sort of fill the road so that we can minimize their first year turnovers. Right. <laughs> and, and turnover is the key, the flip side of hiring is is retention and in some ways that's even more important and i think back to my days as a magazine publisher when i had responsibility over sales and how heart-rending it is when one of your top salespeople says oh someone's paying me i got an offer for another 20k i'm out of here and you think oh my god there goes there goes the quarter there goes the year how am i going to replace this person um any advice for what um, you know small and medium sized businesses can do as employers to try and reduce um turnover and 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 proactively retain uh top sales employees yeah, um, I think first things first, you have to understand what is your culture, not just the sales culture, but your company culture altogether, because like attract likes. So you want to make sure you understand, you know, what where are your perks? <laughs> um, you know, I think that's very important uh, as an organization so that you have one voice out there. Um and then you attract people that want to work for your firm. But there's a few things for sure that you can consider. Um, flex hour is huge right now because, um, you know, we're in that hybrid world of sales. So, you know, especially a, a good salesperson, I can tell you, doesn't work nine to five. Like if they tell me, oh, do, you, do you pay me for overtime? Like all that kind of stuff. I can guarantee you that's probably not a good sales. That's not a salesperson you want to hire. Sales, you have to hire a salesperson that treats sales as a, as a lifestyle. Right, it's a twenty-four-seven job. It might be that during the day, this person went and um, <laughs> went and drove their son to a hockey game, right? To a hockey practice in the middle of the day, possible. But this person's also having conversations with the East Coast or the West Coast way into the night. So, um, I think that flexibility is important, especially in the startup phase, to understand um how your salesperson works and where your perks in the organization um but the other thing i would 
also mention um, beyond, I mean, beyond compensation. I, I, I don't think, um, first of all, I don't think even the very well-funded um, startups, I, I don't know that we can compete with the Microsofts of the world and the Teslas of the world right now and the Apples of the world because they are ridiculous <laughs> in terms of what they're putting out there in terms of compensation package. So really be mindful of your sales culture in terms of what you're offering, your company culture in terms of what you're offering, and really get like-minded people um, in your firm so that you guys can work as one one unit. Because um, we have a lot of, I mean, unlike, you know, we may not be able to compare to the, you know, the base pay of the Microsofts of the world. But I also think that working for a startup have a lot of perks, whether it is, um, you know, truly believing in that social cause, truly believing in the in the, the founder's dream, um, ability to have access to, to the whole team, um, the family environment, the work-life balance, um, all that have everything to do with fulfilling someone's um, job needs, right? Or, so, you know, be creative with your packaging is what I'm suggesting. Fantastic. Use what you've got, essentially, which uh, and people might not realize until they think about it, just what kind of benefits they can offer, uh, such, well, as, have, such as flexibility, such well, as for sure. I, I I have also another one that I use pretty regularly, um, and I, you know, it is a lot of work. But uh, you, you spoke about, you know, people uh, leaving. Yeah. And unfortunately, in, in such a red hot market, um, I, I think it's inevitable. So I always suggest to my founders as well to always have a sales posting up um, and keep interviewing all the time and be able to fill like, you know, like a sales funnel, fill your recruitment funnel, um, especially in the sales world, because salespeople generally aren't actively looking for a job. You have to poach them, not good salespeople, because they get poached all the time. So the ability to find a few nuggets and put them in your pipeline and keep nurturing, <laughs> like a lead, keep nurturing them until your, your opening, they, you have an opening in your firm, right. will do wonders. Um, because then you can watch as they grow, you can watch as they conduct themselves. It's better than any job interview can possibly offer you. So definitely, I would say, continue to recruit salespeople all the time. Um, that's something I have learned, you know, over the, the course of, a, especially in the, during, um, especially during the last year and a half. Um, it It is a wor very worthwhile exercise. The sales funnel has really changed over time, Agnes, and we're seeing a lot of companies spend a lot of time and energy uh, building their social media followings. But how do they convert that into sales? I think when you think about social media following and gathering social media following, um, it for me on the sales side, that's on the marketing side, but on the sales side, it really um, is our way of being at the right place at the right time, right? How can you be in front of your prospect's face in a way that they don't forget about you? So once, you know, they haven't, in my case, when they have... A, a sales issue, they see my face and they're, oh yeah, let me give Agnes a call. So if you can think about your social media, um, not the, you know, um, 
leaving the marketing initiative alone because marketing needs to fill the fill the funnel and give you guys marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads. So leaving that part, but as a salesperson, you really have to think about how do you present yourself on social media in a way that raise your own, like raise your brand, raise your service offering so that when the time comes that someone needs your service, you're the first person they call. And the ability to do so will allow you to win at the game of social proof and social media sales. So how do you do that? How do you make sure you're, 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 you're that first face that they think of? Is it just a matter of being a constant on whatever social media channels you choose, or is it a matter of sort of topics or content or quality of information? Absolutely. So both of those. You talk about quantity. We, when we work with our client, we talk about quantity and we talk about quality. So you don't want to be putting a piece of bad information out there because then you just discredit everything you said before. You only remember that one piece of information. So you want to make sure what you're putting out there is relevant to your audience. So work backwards and think about your customer avatar and what is it that they're going through and what kind of information do you want to present in what way. And whether that is a YouTube how-to video, whether that is an infographic, whether that is white papers, um, you know, the, the form um, and the medium also need to be a bit more diverse. Like you cannot always do just YouTube how to video. You cannot always just do infographic. That's it becomes boring when you do that. So you mix it up with the v- different mediums, but make sure you pick on topic uh, on point topic. One other thing I've also you know as we work with our clients, a suggestion is regularity. So I always say you know what if you can't commit to doing a post a day, don't worry. You know what? Do a post every other day. Do a post every week. I don't care. Okay, I care about the frequency, but try to commit to one thing every Monday, let's say, so that your audience can be expecting that there's something every Monday. And that's sort of in your face enough for your followers to, you know, the, the one that cares about what you're saying they sort of they sort of self-qualify into following you they sort of self-qualify into um being in your circle and they they self-qualified to want to talk to you when the time comes so definitely push for that um that uh presence uh, socially, but of course, you still have to do all your prospecting. You still have to do all your out outside, you know, um, outside social media nurturing as well. But definitely, I find it's a very non-invasive way of raising your. I, I always talk to um, our clients: Are you raising your credibility with this post, or are you raising your likability with this post? So, if I'm thinking of it as you know, build, you know, building on bricks. You know what are what are you doing? What and what is the point of this post? If you're not raising your credibility and you're not raising your likability, then I don't know. Like, you know, it becomes a meaningless post, and I, I'm not at least for me. Um, I don't. I I find that to be um, more fluff than anything. So I try not to encourage too many meaningless posts because um, I I do always want to make sure that you're professional and what you put out there is relevant. Right. And I guess that's a especially appropriate at times when social media is so controversial and people taking stands um, and putting opinions in where maybe a company might prefer they not. So, uh, yeah, yeah. 
try and keep that stuff out of there, I think is very good advice. Um, one question I hear a lot of times from business owners is, you know, are their team, are their sales teams motivated enough? What can owners do to motivate salespeople any more than, you know, the, the compensation arrangement that they've already agreed on? Um, you know, at least speaking from our, our own experience, there's a few ways. If you think about salespeople and their natural competitiveness, I mean, for you to last in sales, you have to be somewhat competitive, even if you're the nicest person out there. So really play to that person's motivation or the team's motivation. So whether that is, um, you know, team dashboards, whether that is running spiffs, whether that is, um, you know, I always say, uh, you know, if you're able to close certain deals, you know, I'm going to give you a day off, whatever that means. So really playing to that person's motivation. Definitely, um, as a sales manager, you have two ways to go, right? You have a team motivation from a cultural standpoint and what that looked like, and also the individual uh, motivation so that you are really playing to that one person's motivator. And you, I don't think you can do one without the other. I think in today's um, world of sales, you really have to use all that you cut to motivate your salespeople. So definitely, you know, be a good, you know what, bottom line, be a good sales manager, right? <laughs> that is the job of a good sales manager is to motivate your gang. So spend a bit more time and be a good manager. Right. I'm not sure all of our listeners know what a spiff is. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I, what is a a special? Um, oh, I'm just so used to the term. Spiff is a. Uh, it's it's. Uh, let's say for the month of August, I'll give you an example. Of what we did here for the month of August, we ran a spiff because a spiff is a, a special incentive program. So for every deal that my guys are able to close, we I told them we're we'll be able to send them to. Um, a resort with them and the family for a day. So if they close two deals, they have two days. If they have three deals, they have three days. Four deals, four days. So, and that plays to their motivation because at, at the end of August, we were thinking that they can take their families out just before school starts so that they can spend some family, you know, nice earned family time at a resort um, to be with their family. So, you know, you have to design these programs to so that it actually motivates your team. Um, that makes sense. I, I've seen, uh, you know, some of our clients, <laughs> they would take out a, a, a 9-11 for the day. And then certain people, um, they close a deal or one, they can take the car out for the day. So it's, you know, it, you have to play to your audience. Right, right. So just keeping it flexible, keeping it fun, um, you know, tying rewards immediately to, uh, to, 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 to successes, paying it off quick, uh, all those things uh, help keep the motivation alive. Okay, definitely. And it, it's, a, Rick, it's a tough job. Our salespeople are smart, brilliant. Um, they can see right through it. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but you know what? That's why I love sales. Like it, it is such an interesting group of people. And, you know, we egg each other on and we raise the bar every single day. So I love being in this community. That's fantastic. Okay, Agnes, final question. Um, you've given us a lot of great advice about uh, 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 
how to structure a sales process and how to try and, and, and boost those sales. Do you have one more actionable piece of advice that, that entrepreneurs could take away from this podcast and implement in their business immediately? Um, you know what? I think I want to reiterate the one thing is that invest in that sales hire. Um, you see a, you know, a, a pretty much uh, immediate return on investment there. So um, really take that leap of faith and hire that uh, right person in the right role so that you can free yourself up to do the things that you need to do as a founder um, of the company to grow the organization um, and expedite your journey. Okay, get the right person in the right role. Do whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> Fall on the sales side and on your and you know, there's no point in a founder doing sales if you know that's not what they love to do too. And if I find um I love founder salespeople because they're so um you know, their energy is so contagious. But I also know a lot of my founder, although they can sell through their passion, they get very tired when they come off a sales call because it's just not their, it's just not their forte. So just hiring the right staff to do the right thing will, will be a world of a difference. Okay, I've been talking with Agnes Lan, the founder and vice president of sales with Change Connect Inc. Uh, do you deal with companies all over Canada? We do. Okay, so anyone who wants to know more about you can go to changeconnect.ca and find out what you can do for them. Uh, you've certainly uh, inspired me to uh, really think about this and explore it a little bit more as to what we can do to make sales happen in tough times. So Agnes, thank you so much, and we'll talk again. Thanks so much, Rick. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.